in the name of the one God who continually creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. It was a number of years ago that I was standing on the front porch of St. John's Church where I served as rector. It's a beautiful old arts and crafts church, stone with a great uh, swooping roof and a front porch. And I would greet people after the service. One of our teenagers, Sasha, was a pretty smart girl, and I knew she was in her Ayn Rand day, um, which I remember being as a teenager as well, shook my hand and looked at me and said, I really liked your sermon, Diana, but I always thought Jesus was a Republican. I don't think I'd ever preached (laughs) that Jesus was a Democrat or a Republican, and I'm not sure where she got that, but it gave us a good laugh. It was no surprise to anybody at St. John's, and probably not a surprise to any of you, that I tend to vote Democratic. And not straight line necessarily, but I do. And I think it's good for you to know that because we are all a number of different stripes and theologies and politics gathered here today under this one roof. Every once in a while at St. John's, I would slip and preach something which people considered political. And I remember this one day. This usually happened in my younger days. And uh, I preached something that I realized after it came out of my mouth was an endorsement of a Democrat. And I shuddered, but I said to my congregation, My apologies to all you Republicans. And then I heard from the back of the pews the gravelly voice of a man who I still love, and we had a lot of conversations, who said, Apology accepted. (laughs) And we all laughed. Laughter, says my homiletics professor Charles Rice, Homiletics is a fancy word for preaching. Laughter, Charles said, is God's hand on the shoulders of the world. I think we all need that, God's hand on the shoulders of our world, God's hand on our shoulders. It's been a tough week filled with triumph and sorrow, with hope and despair, all the mixtures of emotions that any of us human beings can feel. But I think we come under this roof today not as winners or losers, but as Americans and as Christians. As Americans and as Christians, we have a dream. Martin Luther King named that dream in a very famous speech in Washington, and that dream is yet to be realized. We claim that we are one nation under God. We believe in liberty and justice for all. 
our dream is on its way, but not yet been fully realized. God has a dream, too. In fact, Archbishop Desmond Tutu has written a book entitled God's Dream, and I think I'm going to take it back off my shelf and read it again. He says in his book, Isn't it amazing that we are all made in God's image, and yet there is so much diversity among us? And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning, is our diversity, not our differences. I think probably most of you would agree that we woke up on Wednesday morning to a realization that our nation was more divided than we thought. We as Christians and as Americans are called to work for unity, for love, for justice, for respect of each other, for those who think like us and those who think differently. Because in God's world, difference is a blessing. One theologian, a seminary professor, wrote recently, I'm convinced that one of the things that brought down apartheid in South Africa was laughter. In those years of struggle, Archbishop Desmond Tutu didn't walk into a room, he danced into it. There was no display intended, He couldn't help it. That was the spirit in him. That's the kind of spirit we are called to have, a laughing, dancing spirit. The archbishop doesn't laugh, actually. He cackles. Maybe you've heard him. And when he does, it comes from a very deep, playful place, as if he is cackling with the cackle of God. Have you ever watched him get together with the Dalai Lama? That's all they do. They cackle. I watched something recently about the Dalai Lama who was speaking about um, uh, current need for... uh, good conversation and dialogue and understanding. And and he said in his Dalai Lama kind of way, he said, you know, we all get too serious sometimes. And there was a man who was interviewing, and he said, so this is what we need to do. And he promptly took his finger and poked it in the ribs of the man who was interviewing him, who, of course, couldn't help but start to giggle. I think Jesus must have laughed a lot. After all, in the Gospel of John... His ministry begins at a wedding in Cana. Who doesn't laugh at a wedding? And I can imagine him when his mother says to him, when they run out of wine, do what they tell you. Or, you, you have to do something. And he looks at her and in a very serious St. John's kind of way, says, my time has not yet come. I can see him throwing his head back and saying, are you kidding me? The Gospels aren't written with those rubrics. But I think Jesus must have laughed a lot. He might even, he might even have laughed at the Last Supper because he was with his friends. 
In this morning's reading from Isaiah, the prophet is speaking to those Jews who had returned to Jerusalem after many years of exile in Babylon. What they had found was a city and a temple in ruins. Many of those who had left with them had died in exile, so they were a remnant. They were in despair. So Isaiah speaks of God's dream. I am about to create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. I see this new heaven and this new earth at 9 o'clock here on Sunday mornings. It's my favorite service. We started with about eight or ten over in the parish hall. And now we have children and families filling these choir pews, three priests up at the altar, and the overflow here in the nave. We have children running circles in the center aisle. We have parents grabbing children by hands because they're about to fly up to the altar. When they come up to the altar, we might have a few swinging underneath the altar rail. And then we have some who are willing to actually come and stand up around the altar. You can't help but laugh. I think we're supposed to laugh when it comes to the mystery of God's grace. These children are our future. I think they give us faith because they have faith in life. They have faith in each other. They don't know difference. As the words in the song in South Pacific says, they have to be carefully taught. And I believe Calvary is a place where we teach that difference is good, that our variety is a gleam in God's eye. We're called to celebrate our differences. St. Paul himself says in his epistle to the Galatians, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, and we might as well add neither black nor white, neither Muslim nor Jew, neither Democrat or Republican or independent or someone who feels the burn. We're all one in Christ Jesus. That's a mystery, and it's a joyful mystery to be celebrated. And I have to tell you, I love this place And I love you all because we're all so different. And there's no other place in the world that I'd rather be. There is such wonderful opportunity here. And Matthew and Alice have provided such wonderful leadership in bringing in these children who teach us joy, who teach us curiosity and wonder. When I ask a question when I'm, when I'm preaching the homily, 
at the 9 o'clock service, they'll raise their hand and say some crazy thing that catch me up short. Jesus used to do that all the time. So I feel like Jesus is there with our children. I'd like to close with a story from another church I served, St. George's in Maplewood. Bill Anderson was the senior warden there, and Bill has since died. Uh, But he told a story about how he visited his daughter and her family up in Rhode Island. And his six-year-old granddaughter, Hannah, was coming back from communion in a church about the size of Calvary's, and he said she wanted to go up by herself this time. And when she came back toward her family, he said she came down the front steps, and he said all of a sudden she started to strut. And she came down the center aisle, and she said, I'm so cute. (laughs) Well, I think God thinks we're all cute. We need to think of each other as cute because we all have that cuteness inside of us buried underneath all the layers of adulthood that we have. So I would pray that not only you feel God's hand on your shoulder and God's hand on the shoulders of Calvary, but God's hand on the shoulders of this country as we seek to unify what now seems divided. And God's hand on the shoulders of the world, but perhaps more closely to home, our hand on each other's shoulders. God is grace. And that is what one of my teachers told me, is the summary of the whole Bible, which we pray in our collect this morning, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. All it says is we are saved by grace. Thanks be to the laughing God. Amen.